Welcome to Find the Magic, the podcast that will help you honor yourself, your kids, and your partner. We'll give you tips and strategies to create peace and authenticity within your family. We inhale a ridiculous amount of books and life tools and distill the information for you. I'm Terilyn Griffin. I'm Caitlin Gabriel. And I'm Felicia Allen. Let's find the magic together. Hey everybody, this is Tara Lynn and I am here with Chelsea Brennan from Smart Money Mamas and she is fabulous. She is going to talk to us today about our own mindset and finances and I I mean I really seriously everything she says guys I am loving. So I'm so honored that you are here with us today Chelsea. Thank you for coming. Thanks so much for having me Tara Lynn. I'm excited for this conversation. So can you start out with just telling our listeners who you are, how you got to be where you are now, and kind of your experience with finances? Absolutely. So I'm Chelsea Brennan. I'm the founder of Smart Money Mamas. I'm also the mom to two little boys. They're about to turn four and six um, and wife to a stay-at-home dad who's fantastic. And I started Smart Money Mamas almost four years ago now. Uh, almost five years ago now, actually. And it originally was a side project for to my job. I was a full-time hedge fund investment manager, and I loved what I did from an intellectual perspective. I got to learn a lot about how companies work in the stock market and making really big, exciting investments. But I reached a point after my first child was born that I wanted to do work that had a broader social impact. I really wanted more flexibility in my schedule, and I wanted to help women in particular feel confident with money and feel like they could use money as a tool to build lives that they loved. And so what started as just a simple blog that I had no idea what I was doing grew into Smart Money Mamas, and I left my job uh, about four years ago now and have been doing this full time. I love that story so much because... Not only does it show your expertise in the field, but it also shows the power of choosing what you want, Mm. which is, I mean, at the core of the principles you teach, which is beautiful. Absolutely. Okay, Chelsea. Well, we, I mean, I have so many questions for you here, but I really want to break it down into two. This is going to be a two episode series. And the first one is going to be focusing on us as mindset, because as we kind of go deep into the philosophy of money. I mean, so much, so much of it is modeling. And so many of us have issues surrounding money that we learned as children, but we just don't know how to reprogram ourselves. Mm. And so it's difficult. In fact, when I talk to parents, I think a lot of parents feel overwhelmed because they're like, I don't have this figured out. I'm an adult. How in the world am I supposed to teach this to my kids when I'm just floundering around with money? Right. Mm. And so, I mean, until we, like so many things in parenting until we can look inside of ourselves, we're just going to perpetuate stuff unintentionally instead of being intentional about it. So today we're really going to dive deep into our own mindset and Chelsea's going to help us reframe a few things and maybe give us some tools there. So Chelsea, my first question for you is surrounding our own mindset. You say that if, and this quote is so beautiful, she says, if we want to live lives we love, if we want to have an impact and dive into work that matters, if we want to reduce our stress and anxiety, we have to build our financial foundation first. So I like this because you are laying our financial foundation here as kind of like our bedrock, but it's difficult because I think a lot of people have the mindset that if we you know, maybe we adopted it either from the culture around us or from our parents, but the idea that 
money is bad. And so if we focus on the desire of money or managing it too much, we can become too focused on something that's not the most important thing of life, right? It's not relationships. Mm -hmm. It's not any of those things. However, we need money. We need money is literally the key to a lot of our experiences here. And our peace around money also filters into those relationships. So can you help us kind of reconcile the idea that it is worth putting in energy and effort and all those kinds of things into money, that money isn't bad? There's so much emotional baggage here, right? Because some people read this this line. Um, it's always weird to hear someone read your own words back to you, but um, they hear this line and they say things like, well, money can't buy happiness, or I don't want to think about money all the time. Or you have people that are really trying to become the best versions of themselves or are creatives and artists. And they say, you know, I can't think about money. Like money is not what ties me to the best version of myself. It's not what ties me to the community and my flow of creativity. I need to basically ignore that. That's how we get the starving artist Hmm. whole vision, right? Yeah. But the reality is, is that money is tied intricately into everything we do. And I'm not trying to make anybody think about money every moment of the day. I think that's damaging as well. But what I'm saying is we have to be honest about the fact that where we live, where our kids go to school, where we grocery shop, how we vacation, if we're able to vacation, where we get health insurance, how we get health care, all of that is tied to our sense of financial stability. And so when you have people who are trying to help you become that best version of yourself, find the magic of your best life, and they're ignoring money, they're doing you a disservice, right? Because when somebody comes along and they're like, just chase your passion, that'll make you better. <laughs> and you're like, Listen, okay, I'm living paycheck to paycheck. I don't know how I'm going to pay my next mortgage. You want me to just like quit my job and go do something else? Like that's not realistic. And it generates so much shame, right? Like why can't I do this? Why can't I take these risks? Why do I feel stuck? And the reality is that we really need to build that foundation. We need to secure our sense of safety, our sense of belonging, our sense of worthiness to earn that life, to afford that life. And then the money stuff gets easier because when we do build these relationships with money from a very young age, as you pointed out as well, the research has shown that the core money beliefs that we carry around for most of our lives are set by age seven, right? It's really early age. And that thing could be contradictory. It could make no sense because we're kids with lack of perspective, but yet we've trained our brains to look for evidence of this thing that we might not even believe as adults. And it can hinder us. It can hinder our ability to find work that we love, to teach our kids the lessons that we want to teach them, um, to use our money in a way that betters our communities and that aligns with our values. And so when I think think about our financial foundation, I think about people feeling confident and secure in their money, where they have some wiggle room, um, where they're not intricately tied to a specific job, right? If your boss starts being a jerk, you can say, I'm going to find another job or I'm going to start my own business and have it not be something that would cause chaos in your life, right? Mm. We want to have that sense of stability. Mm. It sounds to me like what you're saying, if we if we try to completely ignore money, we actually end up having to think about it more, but just in a negative way because it starts consuming us, either from a place of lack or chaos or whatever the feeling is. But if we can give it space... It's kind of like time management. If we can give time management some space, then we're able to have quiet time inside our own brains. But if we're trying to manage it and never plan anything, then we're all, it actually, our schedule overruns us. So 
Okay, when we so. think, yeah, when we think money's evil, money is stressful, and we ignore it, it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy, right? Because you forget about that bill that only ever comes in every six months, and you're panicked about how you're going to pay that auto insurance bill. Whereas if you'd just given it a few minutes a week, even just a 10-minute money meeting a week, you could have planned for it ages in advance. It's the little things and the big things, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. You also said something in there that I think, mm, I think it might hit a chord with a lot of people. And that is, you talked about worthiness, mm-hmm. how if we're able to feel worthy of the lives that we want, can you expand on that a little bit, how that's connected to money, that feeling that it is Absolutely. worthy, a worthy endeavor to cr- try to create the life that we want? So Terrilyn, one of the things that we do at Smart Money Mamas is we run these uh, summits, these online conferences. And so uh, we actually have one in April of 2022 and one in October. We're really excited about those. Perfect. but. Our last one, we had 26,000 women in attendance. 26,000? It was crazy. Um, it was oh really, really fun. We had Glennon Doyle come and speak. We had like, it was, we had a blast. But one of the things that we did on Mindset Day is we surveyed the audience and we asked them to tell us what their biggest mindset block was when it came to money. And after we got all these answers, my COO and I sat down and we literally read everyone out loud. So we had like 2,000 responses to this thing. We read everyone out loud and we were both in tears by the end because in over half of the answers were some version of I'm not worthy of wealth. I'm, I don't deserve wealth because I'll just squander it if I get it. I'm not able to handle it, right? And it's all these things where when you don't think you're worthy of comfort, when you don't think you're worthy of those things that you've aligned as, oh, only rich people can do that. Only people who are better than me can do that. It makes it incredibly hard to build wealth in any way, especially in a way that aligns with your values and makes you feel good about yourself. Mm -hmm. And so we have to start from a place of understanding that you are actually worthy of your best life, that you are enough as you are right now, that whatever your core skill set is, you can be great with money. I have had every profession, every answer to me of like, well, I'm a nurse and we're not good with money. I'm a teacher and we're not good with money. I'm an, it, it, We build these identities around being bad with money instead of thinking about, you know, what is the life we truly want to live and how can I use money as a tool to get me there? Hmm. I have the chills because I think that's the core for a lot of people of every issue they have in their life. Of course. Not just money. So I love it. Money is one of those things that we all, (laughs) none of us can get along without, without using money. Right. I mean, it's just Mm. part of this world. And so to address that from a space of worthiness, I think is beautiful and powerful. And I actually heard an interview once with Oprah, the author was the author of, soul of money. I don't know if it's a good book or not because I haven't read it anyway, but she said that our relationship with money, we can apply our issues with that relationship with almost any other relationship in our life. So it's, I think what you're saying, I mean, it rings true to me that as we kind of heal this relationship we have with money, it can't help, but just expound to the rest of our lives. It's actually a really funny thing. Uh, when we started the Motivated Mama Society, which is our like monthly membership community, and motivation is also a word that has a lot of of baggage around it, right? And we try to explain mm-hmm. to people we're not about motivated to like hustle culture, like motivated to live the life you want to live, like that mm-hmm. whatever motivation looks like to you. 
But when we started getting testimonials and responses back, so few of the testimonials were about money. Now everyone has their money success and they grow. But like one of my favorite ones that we got in the first six months was this woman wrote in and she was like, I read a fiction book for myself for the first time in eight years. Because like (laughs) you gave me, I I did the mindset work and it gave my permission to take a little time for myself. And I read, and it was like, it does tie to so many things. Because like I said earlier, we live in a capitalist society. Money does intrinsically tie to so much of what we do and and it's buried there. And you do have that worthiness issue, right? We were talking to a woman in the society a few weeks ago who was talking about having a cleaning person come to her house. And they have money to do this. She could allocate in her budget, COVID, everything. She's just drained, right? And so she wants this cleaning person, but she can't She can't get past the mindset block to let herself do it. And so we were talking about it. And she's just like, who am I to have a cleaning person, right? She's like looking at her life growing up where they didn't have as much money. And she feels like that's getting too big for her britches if she mm-hmm. hires somebody. And so mm-hmm. we had to work through that. Like, why do you think that you can't do this and that in that you're going to be judged for this when it could make your life better. Um, mm-hmm. And we have to work through a lot of those things and we find them um, in, in little pockets of our life all over. Mm, yeah, I, I agree with that hundred percent. I think it's, it's so important that you're talking to us about this. I am ashamed to admit this. I mean, Chelsea, you know this, but, and also you listeners, you guys know this, but finances is, is not an area that we have addressed very much on this podcast. We've talked mm-hmm. a little bit about when we talk about our family systems, you know, a little bit about how we deal with it with our kids. But other than that, I mean, I think the concept of mindset within ourselves is huge. And honestly, as you're talking, I mean, I want to, I want to go to your summit myself. This sounds <laughs> amazing in every way. And I think we could all use a little bit of help in this area. Mm-hmm. Okay. So can you tell me what do you recommend to our listeners for, I mean, obviously, because you offer them so many amazing tools, but if they're just going to just try a couple things to approach their own money mindset, I want to ask you a little bit about, well, let's start with what's the best way to even start looking at your own mindset? Do you start thinking of your first initial experience with money or, you know, where do you start there to kind of even see yourself clearly? Mm. So there's two ways to go about this. The first and the one we generally recommend is to think of what you said, your first money memory. And so this is a time, typically you're somewhere between the ages of five and eight when this happens, but some people it's a little older, everybody's fine. Think about your first time that money was important to you, that you had this big realization. And for some people, this is a traumatic moment. This is our parents fighting. This is being evicted. These are, these are big things. And sometimes it's teeny tiny things that if you brought it up to your parents or the adult that was with you in this situation, they they would have no recollection, right? (laughs) What are you talking about? But to you, it's this important moment. So to do this exercise, find a quiet, place. And so for some people, this is sitting in a good chair with a great cup of tea. For some people, this is walking in the woods or going out, moving their bodies. I I find it a lot easier to have these deep thoughts when I'm moving. Um, It removes some of the anxiety that thinking about these things can be. And so the first one is letting that come to the surface. What is a memory? What happened? Um, Where were you? Who were you? Who was around you? And after you have kind of gotten comfortable with with the memory, you've let it come, come into full color, basically. The question you want to ask is what did I decide about money in that moment? Because there's a reason that that's the moment that came to the surface for you, right? Because you probably somewhere in your brain have dozens and dozens of these memories, right? But there's one specific one where you made a decision. 
And that was what I'm talking about, your core beliefs, right? You made some big assumption because our brains are wired to create order out of chaos. We want rules and things that work because otherwise there's too many stimuli, right? It's too overwhelming. Mm -hmm. And so we make an assumption. And so I want you to sit with that, whatever that assumption is. And we'll talk about some examples in a second. But I want you to sit with that assumption and just think about how has that impacted the decisions you made where you got your first job? where you went to college, where you, whether or not you started a 401k, right? Whether you bought your first house or you're still renting, what are, what, what, are, what decisions did that impact, right? Mm-hmm. Even the relationships you chose to have that you let yourself have. Did you think you had to have a partner that earned more than you or less than you? Did you have to, all these kind of questions. And then ask yourself if you think that's still true, right? Is this, is this something that I agree with? Is it aligned with my values as an adult? And this is where we start to develop our first money mantras, our first ways to rebuild our mindset. And so one of the things that that frustrates me sometimes, Tara Lynn, is when you see the articles of like six great money mantras to bring into your life. And that can be great. But if they don't speak to your specific hangups, it's not helpful. It's it's chanting nonsense every day, right? Mm -hmm. But when you find something that is speaking to rewiring your core money beliefs and that you know exactly what you're trying to fix, not only can you have the mantra, the right mantra, you can start to do the little tiny things every day that start to build up a whole pile of proof to your brain, to your psyche, that that new thought is the right one. Hmm. And so that's the first exercise we have people go through. And for some people, this takes an hour and it's easy and that memory is right there. And for some people, they need to hear this exercise, read through it, and just hold on to it. For even a couple weeks, because it might be blocked, that memory might be blocked. But as you go through your average day and you're in the grocery store and you're updating your budget or you're you're looking at your bank statements, it might hit you, but you need to kind of be aware that you're looking for it. So if, if you feel like you sit down to do this and it's not immediately evident, don't feel like you're screwing up. It's just that for some people, it's not as clear to others at the beginning. Mm, that is a beautiful exercise that I love because it's accessible to anybody within the sound of our voice. I mean, mm-hmm. you hear it, you think about it. Set aside a little bit of time for yourself. So you're saying you think of your first money memory. What did you decide about money? How has it affected you? And then you ask, do I agree with that? Because I love Mm -hmm. it. I mean, we have so many beliefs from ourselves as children. And oftentimes they don't serve us. Some do though. And I love, again, I really love how you tap into our own power. So anytime we make a deliberate choice, we're tapping into our own power to choose. So we can choose to keep those things that serve us or not keep them. Okay. And I want to touch here too, really quickly though, on saboteurs. And have you ever covered saboteurs? We have not, but I love the concept of saboteurs. <laughs> so I'm really excited for whatever you're about to say. So saboteurs are something that kept you safe or served you well as a kid. Often they come from any kind of instability as a kid. So you're looking for ways to create order out of chaos, like we were talking about. Mm-hmm. But as you get older and you're ready to level up or to step into your true self, they no longer serve you. Saboteurs are some of the hardest mindset changes to make because we hold this place in our heart where it did serve us well. Mm -hmm. And so it's hard to let it go. You're afraid to, well, look at all these times that it kept me safe. Yeah. And so I'll give my example here too, right? Do you want to hear my first money memory? Please. I would love that. Okay. The first um, thing I ever really wanted and saved up my own money for was the clear purple Game Boy, right? Did you guys remember this, this Game Boy? Um, I wanted it really badly. It took me over a year to save up for it. 
And we got to GameStop and I'm a natural security seeker. I like to have as much money as possible at my disposal in case anything goes wrong, right? This is, this is just a natural thing that some kids have, right? And some people have. So we get to the store. I'm having the most money I've ever had in my little life. I was seven or eight. I can't remember exact age. And we walked into the store and I got panicked. I was like, I have worked really hard to get this, all this money and save it. And and now I'm going to hand it over. It's going to be gone. And so I burst into tears in the store. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I'm with my dad who looked at me and was like, what's going on? And I was like, I can't buy, I can't buy the Game Boy. Like I think I don't need it. I think I should just save the money, like this whole thing. And he got down on my level and he said, I'm so proud of you. And for me, this was a huge moment, right? Because my dad was a person who idolized wealth in some ways still does. And he thought people who had a lot of money were more successful, were better, were more worthy than people who didn't. Right. And so to him at a really young age, he saw something in me that he actually didn't have for himself. And he and I have talked about this now in the future. He's not a saver. So he looked at me in this whole situation and me all upset. And he was proud that I had this skill that he envied. But what happened is it didn't stop there. We got in the car and he was just praising him like, this is going to serve you so well. You're going to be successful. He told his friends. So I didn't get the Game Boy. I walked out of there without the Game Boy. And what I took away from that is that depriving yourselves of things that you like makes you worthy of love and belonging right? Mm -hmm. Wealth equals worthiness is the summarization of what I took away from that situation. Mm -hmm. And And by wealth, you mean having money? Oh, yeah. So we could talk about definitions of wealth as a different thing, but that's what I took away from it was that having wealth made you worthy. And so this became a saboteur, right? Because I saved a ton of money through teenage years. I decided in college whether I was going to be a teacher or go to Wall Street. I went to Wall Street. I made great money. I always saved well over 50% of my income. So I built anytime something went wrong, I had money to solve it, right? And I didn't enjoy any of that process, Mm. but it kept me safe. And it meant that I had a lot of choices as a young adult that a lot of people don't. And so when I tried to break that, when I first recognized that that was a thing and I started to try to create fun money spaces in my budget, tried to force myself to, to enjoy the money that we were building because that's what it's for, right? Money is not an end in itself. It was hard because I would think back to those moments. Well, remember when my bike got stolen and I had to buy a new bike out of <laughs> a, a short notice? Like I could do that and all these little and big things. And so you have to pay attention to that too, that it's okay to look at that money memory and think through your history with it and acknowledge that it did serve you and let it go so you can do bigger and better things now. Yeah. I think when it comes to saboteurs, and I actually, as we're talking about this, we need to have a whole episode on this. I think there is value in thanking, thanking them for how they did serve mm. you. I mean, if anybody's had serious trauma as a child, oftentimes the thing that kept them safe, physically safe, is the thing that's now harmful to them. them. But yeah. it did serve them as a child. So it's okay to say thank you for, yeah. for serving me then. But I'm an adult now and I don't need you anymore. So can you walk us through then that process with, so your belief was wealth equals worth. And so how, and you, obviously you chose to not agree with it now. So Mm. can you share with us then how that turned into a money mantra for you? And then 
how you have, you said, then you start living your life in a way that you start reinforcing that new belief that you've changed. So can you walk us through those last two steps with that story that you just told? Sure. So first of all, we, that's an easy mantra to switch, right? All the, all we did was put, I changed it to wealth does not equal worthiness. And there's a lot of proof for that and how I live my life. And this is also things about your values, right? I don't think about that with people of different income levels or, you know, all the charities and things that we support and the, the friends that we have are of all different income classes. And so I would never look at a friend and judge it by that way. And so that was a place to say like, okay, reflecting on, I don't put this belief on others. I need to not put it on myself. But for me, I'm a person who I love to journal. And so I always have you know, a rotating 10 personal promises that I write every day. And so for a while that became, and they're the same 10 uh, until I feel like I've, I've fulfilled that one thing, at least one of the things. And then I switch it out. So for a long time, uh, wealth does not equal worthiness was, was one of the personal promises that I worked on. Uh, then I started building it into, into my budget. Like I said, having fun money, splurge money. Now for me, this is a funny thing. And spenders are going to be like, what are you talking about? We had to set a rule. My husband and I had to set a rule where I had to spend my fun money every month. I could not carry it over <laughs> uh, to the next month. And it was really hard and really scary um, at first, but we, we started small. It was a small amount of money and it was just like, okay, I'm going to get a book that I really like, or I'm going to do this thing and start to kind of build that habit. And then there can be these intermediate steps that seem silly to someone who's not in your shoes, because this is another thing we have to remember is that personal finance is personal. There's no one right way to do things. Mm -hmm. And so when it came to vacations, right? husband and I were going to go on vacation. This is several years ago. We've moved past this far beyond this, but we'd set a budget for the vacation I would not carry a wallet anywhere. I did not have one. He paid the check. He knew how much was in the budget and I had to not think about it because if I had to swipe the card and sign the receipt, it was going to get me in my own head and I was going to have a hard time with it. So we literally did like two years where I never brought a wallet. Like we, not when we went out to dinner, not when we went on vacation and it let me enjoy those things. And so when I started to pick it back up where I was ready, where I felt like I had internalized enough of the mantra to move forward. I had all these positive memories of like, yeah, we really enjoyed that trip. Yeah, we made amazing memories. We had this great chef at this restaurant. We went to whatever we were doing. And it made it easier to even when I feel those negative memories coming up, I have those times where there wasn't the, the stress that came involved. And so it's just, it's it's reminding your brain mantras can be helpful for this, but it's building that pile of evidence for yourself. And so another way to do this, something we recommend, because everyone's uh, money mantra is, is not my own, right? That's personal finance is personal, is creating what we call a money smile file. And so this is, this can be a notes app in your phone. This can be a part of your journal. This can be whatever you want. But I want you to write down anything with money that you're proud of, right? These are the little things like I listened, I listened to this podcast about money today. <laughs> um, it can be reading a blog post. It can be trading, moving $5 into savings, whatever it is, big things, paying off credit card debt, whatever. But I want you to just have that list. And before you sit down to do a budget, before you update your, you know, you're going to look at your 401k, something that feels overwhelming to you, you can look at that smile file because there is neurological research about the fact that it takes nine positive memories to offset one negative memory. Mm -hmm. We are designed mm -hmm. to keep ourselves safe, which means the negative scary things get a lot louder in our brains. Mm -hmm. And so having this place to go back and be like, here's all the evidence that I actually am capable. I actually am good with money. Money actually can get me the things that I want makes it easier to deal with the scary things when they when you have to do the scary things. Mm -hmm. Oh, I love that. This is just good brain hacking right here. This is, it's excellent. These are such good tools. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. As moms, we deal with the big emotions of our little people, not to mention our own big emotions. And I feel like it is so important to take control of your own mental health so that you can be a happier mom and so that you can raise happier kids. Uh, Right now, I am going to be real with you guys. I have a two-year-old and a new baby. My two-year-old is phasing out of naps, which is nothing short of devastating for me. And we just got rid of the binky. So there are some turbulent emotions going on in my household. Uh, you know, the baby actually seems okay, but between me and the two-year-old, there's some, there's, it's a little challenging. Um, and so something that has really helped me is something called the Mama Zen app. And you can download it from Google Play or the App Store, wherever you get your apps. And it, um, after you download it, Mama Zen creates a personalized program that fits your motherhood journey. So if you're pregnant, it can help you with that. If you have toddlers, it can help you with that. Um, it's easy to use. You just pop in your headphones, close your eyes, and listen. And something that I love is that the sessions range anywhere from two to 18 minutes long. So some of my favorite sessions is that one of them is actually the four minute de-stress session, which is so nice because sometimes in the middle of the day when I've been feeling some overwhelmed feelings of anxiety, I can just pop in my AirPods, take a listen for four minutes, and I can feel my body just de-stressing. It takes you through kind of a guided meditation, which I've really, really appreciated. Another session that I really like is their, it's about a 15 minute session. It's called deep and restful sleep. And sometimes I've had trouble sleeping and this session, by the end of the session, I'm totally asleep, which has been so, so amazing. Um, So you're probably wondering like, how does it work and will it actually work for me? These are science-based techniques that will help you change how you react to your children and just help with those feelings of overwhelm and anxiety. Um, And the nice thing is that you don't have to use it daily to get results. You just use it once or twice a week and it will absolutely change your life. So this is something that I recommend to any mom friends that I have. Um, And so I really want you to try Mama Zen and see for yourself how much better you can feel as a mom. Go to the app store or Google Play and download Mama Zen today. That's Mama Zen, M-A-M-A-Z-E-N. And right now you can use promo code MAGIC and that code will unlock your free trial so you can try Mama Zen for yourself. Mama, your mental and emotional well-being is the most important thing for you and your kids and your family. Don't postpone it any longer. Okay, well, I want to move into um, budgeting and our priorities and how to align our budget with our priorities. But first, I have to ask you two questions that you just brought up that I got to know more about. And that is, one, so if wealth does not equal worth for you, what does equal worth? the what equals worth for me is leaning into my own superpowers and so for let me give you an example of this um i was told often that i was not a creative kid i don't know why this was something that like i was the analytical 
person in mm-hmm. like my friend group, in my family. And so that was pushed very hard. And like even to the point that I'd hear adults say like, well, Chelsea's not creative, but she's really good at math, right? Mm-hmm. And so for me who loves to write and who loves to draw, I shunted that for a really long time. Mm-hmm. And so part of me feeling worthy in my own skin is letting myself do that as well. And so we started this side business about six months ago or less than six months ago, where my friend and I design and sell water, like vinyl stickers. And I spend a little bit of time every week drawing new stickers and sending them out and sharing them with the world. And so my worthiness is so much more about, am I being the person that I want to be more than wealth, right? And and giving myself the space to do that. Hmm. Oh, I love that. That, I mean, on our podcast, we've talked a lot about before the benefits of not labeling our children. And that Mm. is a perfect example, Chelsea, of those people who told you that your strength was being analytical and math. I mean, for a lot of them, I'm imagining that they were trying to give you a compliment, right? Yes. But by that label, they were also crippling this other beautiful side of you. So, I mean, that's just another good example about the concept of praise. When we start putting an identity on somebody, no matter how beautiful that identity is, There is no such thing as a one label that can describe all of us. And so we oftentimes do by trying to build our children up, we end up giving them these specific praise and we have episodes about this, but I mean, the main key is you avoid giant labels like that. Like you are the analytical one or you're the creative one or you're the musical one, whatever it is, they're not helpful. They don't serve us. If we can be more specific, like I'm impressed at how hard you worked on that math assignment. That doesn't, that does not. Hooking you, that isn't like shunting all the other areas of your life. It's just saying, I appreciate that you worked hard on that math assignment and that can serve children. But I think Chelsea, I'm really glad you gave that to us because that's just a really good example of how things that people do with the best of intentions. Anytime we're really labeling somebody and like putting them in this one specific box, it doesn't serve them. It's something we've seen with, I've seen with parents who we're just, it's such a positive, we're just trying to figure out who our little person is going to be, right? It's not done with malice, but parents who are like, oh, he, I think he's going to grow up to be an engineer, or I think he's going to grow up to, and it's like, how lit, the- he's five, like, like, <laughs> what he's going to do. I'm 31, and I don't know what I'm going to do. Like, it's just like, um, yeah, when we put them in those, those boxes, it makes it really hard for them to explore other interests. Yeah, well, and it's fascinating, actually, as I've done research on praise, just the concept of praise. I mean, because I, in the love languages, words of affirmation and physical touch are like my top. So I love, I mean, give me praise. And I'm like, yeah, eating it up. (laughs) So it's natural for me to want just to give people praise. But I mean, even when it comes to kids who are praised just for their grades, it ends up not serving them either because it's this end result that you're praising over and over and over. They find that kids who are praised just for their grades all the time have higher tendency to cheat on stuff because they just want the grade and they stop valuing the learning. (laughs) So I mean... Really, when it comes to praise, just being able to see people for who they are and love whatever sides of them they show you, I think is a valuable skill to have. And I think we can tweak our language to serve people better just by noticing what they do and appreciating what they do without saying things that make them think that their worth is living up to this box or this end result oriented every time. But more than well, and mindset we, stuff. We're going to do a whole episode about kids and money, but yes. we do a monthly Q&A in the society. And two months ago, one of the questions was, should I pay my kids for good grades? And that's something that actually comes up with parents a lot. And it's, it is the same research is that they're more likely to cheat. They're more likely to not want to learn when that reward is taken away. And we really just have to praise effort and growth and 
and not the end, the specific result. Yeah. Which I love, which we could totally delve into growth mindset versus fixed mindset. And it's just oh, yeah. such a good stuff. I love it. And um, listeners, I have to tell you guys, Chelsea and I, we've had other side conversations and we're both book lovers. So, I mean, I, there's been about three times in this conversation where I've wanted to just dive off a book tangent with you, but I'm really reining myself in here. We're focusing. Yeah. Yeah. So my, okay. My second question for you is before we move on to aligning your own personal budget is, what in the world are these 10 personal promises? Can you just give us a couple minutes of that? Because what are these and how do you do them? Because it's sounding amazing. Are they mantras or are they specific goals? And you write them down, all 10 of them every day? So they, they vary. Um, some of them are, are more mantras where things I'm trying to accept or grow into. Like um, I've, well, worth is not wealth. Like worth is not wealth, right? Um currently I had a really tough health year this year. And so, uh, one of my personal promises right now is about thanking my body for the things that it does do instead of being really frustrated with where I, where I'm at. Mm. Um, one of them is a very specific goal about where we want to get to with earnings and smart money mamas, what our profit goal is. One of them is about setting boundaries. Uh, boundaries are something that I'm an empath. Boundaries are very difficult for me. Mm -hmm. Uh, but when it comes to working from home in a business that we are, that I do passionately care about and I'm trying to grow, making sure that we're making time for family. Right. And so that one is actually like, uh, I'm cheating. Normally the personal promises have to be one sentence. That one is currently two sentences. One about just reminding myself to set boundaries and another that's very specific of like, I need to put the boys to bed at least four nights a week and, and like things like that. And so once I feel like they've either become habits or if they're specific goals, they're achieved, I swap them out for new things. Or if like there's just something that very seriously feels like it needs to come into my life, I'll move things around. But it's such a good practice for me to remember what my priorities are and how I want to spend my time during the day. Whereas otherwise I get sucked in, I get sucked in very easily to the minutia and the short, short term things that, you know, quote unquote need to be done. And so it's a practice I've had for, for several years. I love that. Where do you mind me asking where you learned it? There was actually a life coach I interviewed years ago who has who had done it for a long time and he his were more consistent. So he would make them for the year and he actually laminated them and would like leave them around his house and then he'd he'd say them every day. Mine need to be a little bit more fluid than that. And so I, I chose to write them um, and I keep them a little bit more private to myself, but that's where I originally got the idea. Hmm. Oh, I love that. And you're saying in your, is it in your morning practice or in your evening practice and you actually write them by hand in your journal every day? Yes. So it's in my morning, part of my morning practice. Um, I do a gratitude note, a exercise note if I move my body that morning before I sat down and then I write my personal promises each morning. Hmm. Oh my goodness. I, I'm a morning routine girl and that is just speaking to me. I want like love to add that into my morning practice. Okay. Well, thank you. That just helps us move right into the concept of aligning because if you're making personal promises to yourself, you are regularly asking yourself what you're aligning with. So let's talk about money and how it helps us as a tool. If we choose to use it as a tool to align ourselves with our own priorities and how to even start, how to look with a clear lens through our own, at our own spending, through your bare bones budgeting and that kind of stuff. Mm. So when we look at our lives, both our schedule and our budget, both, we, we've heard this from so many different people, so many different self-development books, but 
when you take a look at them, you see how you're living your priorities, right? How much time are you committing to different things, to work, to commuting, to to reading if it's important to you read? How much time and how much money do you commit to the things that you love? And so when we talk about our values, we live in a we do live in a capitalist society and that has its negatives, as many, many negatives, but it has these positives where every time we spend a dollar, it's a vote of the community we want to live in, the type of companies that we want to support, the products that we want to see offered in the stores that we go to, right? And so when we think a little bit more carefully about how we want to feel about money, how about we want to feel about our money and how we want to feel in our day-to-day life. And so I'm not as much a person that loves the idea of setting like a very clear visceral goal in a sense of like, here's how I want to spend my days in 30 years because you're never right. (laughs) It's good to have some kind of a mirage to work towards, but it's much easier to think about, hey, I want to live my life feeling inspired and successful and connected, right? You pick your two or three feeling words. Mm -hmm. And on a day-to-day basis, we are making choices that move us closer to those feelings. This does two things. One, it lets our goals be a little bit more flexible. And so maybe, you know, right now, as you and I are talking, you know, my goal is to have a lake house by the time I, this is not my actual goal, but I I don't know why I come up with it all the time, partially because I think it was my mom's goal at one point, have a lake house by the time my kids are in middle school and be able to take them and their friends there for the weekend and like have this person, this great time with them. But we get a little older, our kids turn out to be really into some sport. And so we travel a lot and we actually would never really use that house. But what we see is that people they've saved up, they've done this goal for 10 years and now they can't let it go because it's become part of their identity, right? No, I really wanted this lake house. But instead, if what we wanted to feel was connected with our kids, now we've set up this you know, money that we've saved. Okay, pivot the goal. Make it so that you can work only four days a week and you go to their every one of their weekend tournaments with them. You you take them to, to camp or whatever it is and that you're, you're connecting with them on a level that makes sense to them, not some goal you set 10 years ago. Mm. Um, and in addition you get to start living it today, right? Maybe you can't get the lake house, but you can get connected. You can get inspired in the little actions that you're already taking. And so I love coming up with those those words and then taking a look at your last couple months of bake statements and just jot down, how do you feel about the expenses that are there? Are Are they, you know, make a plus sign if it aligns with those core feelings that you want, a minus sign if it moves you farther away from those things. And then obviously some things are neutral, right? Like you gotta pay me your mortgage, but start to see, could I add more pluses into my budget? Could I better align with my values and how I want to live my life? Mm. I love the idea of that exercise. And it also strikes fear into my heart because- oh, yeah. I'm afraid that if I looked at what my, I spent each month, they would not be aligning with my priorities. You know, I don't think, a, you know, just random, you know, I just buy a bunch of random stuff that really have no actual value. <laughs> so. but, this is, but there's also so much freedom here. Right? Let's do a mindset shift where, sure, there's going to be waste. There, There is in everybody's budget because it becomes so automatic and we buy things that we think society expects us to buy, that we always have. That's like what our parents did. And so we think we can't stop doing it. Fine China being a, a, a prime example of this. Like, why do why are we all still registering for Fine China when we get married? Like, my mom, actually, we were making our wedding registry and she was like, Fine China is something that your kids feel bad about throwing out when you die. Like, just skip that. <laughs> just, buy, just buy plain white plates. And so, and obviously every family values are different. If you use Fine China, great for you. But anyway, yes, yes. 
you, so we get people who who they have these dreams, whether it's the lake house, whether it's just wanting to live a more ex- inspired or free life. And they tell us, well, we, I can't afford it. Like there's no money. And so we go through this exercise and we see, oh, wait, there's 300, 400. You know, we have had people hire earners that it's $2,000 a month because you'd be – you would be surprised or maybe you wouldn't be that people at $250,000 a year very often still living paycheck to paycheck because of lifestyle inflation. But you see these numbers and now there's an amount that you get to make a distinct choice in because now you're aware that those spending, uh, those items don't line with your values and you have a better sense of what you actually want. So you can start to shift it towards what your real priorities are. And that's where the bare bones budget comes in. Yes. Can you expand on that just a little bit? Sure. So we talk about in our so in our philosophy, we go through your thriving mindset. We establish where you stand, and then we start to build your budget align in alignment with your goals. And the first thing that we do with that is establish what we call a bare bones budget. So this is if you know crap hit the fan and we just had to live. What are our bare essential expenses? Okay, I got to pay the mortgage. I've got to pay insurance. I've got to keep the lights on. You know, you probably need to keep your car because we got places to go. Um, What are your bare essentials? And this includes, you know, cutting back your grocery budget. Maybe you don't go to Whole Foods. Maybe how do we, how do we, what's the bare bones budget? And then you want to look at the gap between what do I have to spend on my bare bones budget and how much money do I have coming in every month? The remainder after your bare bones budget, that is where you have choice. And so instead of trying to set up a budget, a lot of people set up a budget where they just try to cut things, right? They're looking at everything and they're like, well, I guess I could kind of cut cable and I could cut this streaming service and like, but that's only, you know, 50 bucks. And now I see I don't have a lot of wiggle room. But when we start with the bare bones budget, you see that you actually have quite a bit of many people have quite a bit of money that they can reallocate where they want. And now you're making an intentional choice with each of those dollars. Not do I want to cut cable, but do I want to add cable back? Am I willing to make that choice to add it back? And it just changes the way that we think. If you do this exercise and your money coming in is less than or just slightly more than your bare bones budget, this is an example of where we really need to focus on bringing more income in the door. Because what we hear a lot with traditional financial advice is to cut your spending, cut your spending, cut your spending. But if you're someone who truly is living at a low income level or is 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 financially strapped on a core needs basis that's not helpful advice they're already doing that they've already found all the hacks and the coupons and the whatever now they need to think about how do we bring more money in so it also helps set that stage as well but for for many people who would be listening to this podcast you're making those intentional choices to add money back mm. i love these tools you're giving us because first of all just the exercise of looking, well, the first money memory, first of all, that whole exercise, beautiful for mindset. The second one of aligning our, what we're spending on with our priorities, just by writing down the feeling. I mean, this is so powerful, writing down the feeling that we want to have, and then looking at our budget or what we've actually spent, not our budget, mm-hmm. or just our spending report, seeing if there's any alignment there. And then combined with the idea of just taking our essentials and looking at the space in between our essentials and what we actually bring in. I love that. I love all of these tools because it is working on the inside of us, but I also just love that you're tapping again, you're tapping into our power that we have choice. Mm-hmm. So if we choose to have Netflix, it's a choice, not an automatic unintentional thing. Yeah. I think there's just so much power when we realize how much choice we actually have in our own lives instead of just having it, just where the wind blows us, you know, and then we just feel out of control all the time. 
And I want to give you one more exercise if we have time. Yeah. Oh, we do. Go for really it. thinking about as we're entering this new year, I want you to write down those core values, right? What, how do you want to feel both about money and in your daily life? And I want you to write down all the activities you can think of that make you feel that way, right? Is it reading books to your kids? Is it traveling the world? Is it cooking a new dish? I want you to write all, all the things you can think of. And then grab a couple different highlighters or just create a new piece of paper and draw three columns and have free, very low cost, medium cost, high cost. And what we find, we've done this with hundreds of people now, and what we find is a lot of those items end up in the free or low cost number, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it is, I love when I get to put my kids to bed and cuddle up with them and read their books. I love when we bake in the kitchen together. I love when we, you know, whatever it is, it, it ends up being for, have movie night. And so what I want to challenge you to is to have that list and put it somewhere where your family can see it. Maybe have your spouse do the same exercise because their values might be slightly different than yours. Mm -hmm. And challenge yourself as you plan this new year to bring more of those free or low cost things into your schedule. Mm -hmm. Not only is that going to help on the financial side, but it's going to make you feel more the way you want to feel, which is going to make it easier to shift your mindset because Mm -hmm. you're going to feel more connected to yourself. It's going to make it easier to make the decisions you need to make with your money because you're living closer to the life that you want to live and you'll start to create that space. Just giving yourself that little bit of room. What I mentioned earlier about the woman woman in our society who read a book for the first time in years, right? It's figuring out what it is to give yourself space so you feel like yourself. And so many moms, so many women, they lose that when they have kids, right? They, they don't feel like they're, they're, they're a mom. They're not a person. Mm-hmm. And so finding ways to bring, that, bring you, you back to yourself mm-hmm. uh, will make all this, all this transformation mm-hmm. easier. And again, it gives us all these tools you're giving us are empowering. If I think mm-hmm. that my definition of feeling free and wealthy is going to Italy it isn't until I realize that what I want is the whatever feeling is connected with that, that I can actually cultivate that feeling at home with my family, with an Italian dinner and watching a movie in Italian, right? Mm-hmm. You realize that you have the capacity to feel that feeling anywhere. And then the beautiful irony of it is then you're also attracting the ability to have, be able to go on that trip to Italy also because you are, you're like tapping into that. The concept of, I mean, what you're describing to me feels like wealth. Mm. The feeling of freedom and choice, that's what to me wealth represents is Absolutely. having freedom. And so when you realize you have the capacity to tap into those feelings anywhere you're, you are, you can do it from a space of empowerment instead of a space of scarcity, which I think is just so, so wonderful. Okay, and we mentioned I, earlier too how artists and creatives – are very wary of money, right? They're told they're going to be the starving artist. That's whatever it is. And so if you have any any creative bone in your body, we separate our brain's ability to be creative when it comes to money. And so we don't think of all those different ways. You, you mentioned cooking a new Italian dish and watching a movie in Italian with, with your family really can bring that feeling that you want to travel. But if your long-term goal is to travel and spend three months in Italy, even that seems you know completely out of reach for you, there's so many things you can do. You can go to library, right? You can take out books on, on Italian. You can post in your local community group. We have a town Facebook group and many people do and wherever they live in their district. Post and see, is there anyone here who speaks Italian who would be willing to just like have coffee with me once a month and just speak it, help me start to learn Italian, right? In a conversational way and really feel like, you know, okay, I'm not ready to spend three months in Italy yet, but I'm building the groundwork. So when I can go, I can order my food and I can do all my things in Italian and really just change that 
that view of how can I cultivate this feeling, even if I don't have the dollar amount I need to do it in the perfect ideal way right now. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's we call that on our podcast incubating. We even have a place in our daily planner where we actually, what's something that I want to keep in my mind? I want to keep it there on the back burner, but I'm, I'm choosing not to do it right now for whatever reason, but what can mm-hmm. I do to work on that? So if it's write a book I'm not going to, and I'm choosing not to write the book right now, am I writing my 10 pages a day anyway to get my writing skills better? Am I enjoying the process of becoming a good writer? Right? Mm-hmm. So I'm still holding that goal. I want to get my PhD, right? And I'm choosing not to do it right now because I'm choosing other things in my life right now. But what am I doing right now to hold that space to still cultivate the enjoyment of the process of going towards mm-hmm. that? You know what I mean? So I like that term incubating. We use it a lot, but that's what it sounds like to me. You're describing it as you're still enjoying the process of moving towards something. And again, you're creating abundance and wealth just with of a mind from inside your mind. Absolutely. Yes. Okay. I love that. Okay. Well, I, I'm getting so many good tools out of this. I love the exercises <laughs> you've given us. I'm also going away from this conversation with, I love what you said about worth, that what I heard you say was worth is being your authentic self, mm. all aspects of it, right? Yeah. Or you said leaning into your superpowers, which I also love that way of saying it. But that, you know, that we're embracing all of us, all mm-hmm. my entire self. And that's where worth comes from, just from being, which is a beautiful truth. Um, and I'm just loving, I'm loving all these tools you have given us today. Can you also give us, I'm wanting to know, first of all, do you have maybe your top few books you'd recommend? We have a lot of avid readers and our listeners and they're always, if they want to dive deeper and books are just a nice way you can have them on in the background to help change your mindset about something. And then I also want to know, give us all the details. I mean, you've given us a good little taste here on where to start, but you have so many amazing programs and places people can go for a lot more help from you. So can you give us all that couple books and then all the beautiful things you offer? Sure. So there are so many great money and mindset books. The place I'd recommend starting is called The Art of Money by Barry Tesler. Um, she was actually the first financial therapist. She founded uh, financial therapy as a movement, which is great. There's now hundreds of them across the country, and they're specifically to help you work with financial emotional issues. And so her book, talking about the five core money fears and how to really get deep into your mindset is fantastic. Uh, also really good if you are creative, because she definitely fits herself more in that bucket. Um, looking at my shelf behind me here, guys, trying to pick pick some other other great ones. Uh, your Money or Your Life by Vicki Robin uh, is a real eye-opener. It's an older book, but it talks about, you know, thinking about the value per hour of our time, right? Like, okay, how you make this much money in your job, but how much do you pay in clothes that you only wear to work, in time that you commute, in decompressing time afterwards? And is there a better way to earn that amount of money in your time? Because you have to factor that into your salary and how to really find financial freedom. That's a fantastic one. And she also wrote the foreword for Financial Freedom by Grant Sabatier, uh, which is a great book as well, talking about how to create uh, freedom with wealth. And so those are three three good, good places to start. Beautiful. Okay. I will add those. And now tell us about your beautiful work that you offer the world. <laughs> Absolutely. So if you go to smartmoneymamas.com, um, we have a number of free resources that you can check out. Uh, your Meaningful Money Goal Guide is going to walk you through some of those feelings and figuring out you know, what do you want your money to do for you. Our Family Money Values Template is a really good place to start, especially if you have a partner, if you have kids, thinking about what are you, what is the language you use as a family around money? What are you working towards? What are your beliefs? Um, really good walking you through that ebook. 
Uh, but our biggest biggest resource and one that we recommend all women at least check out for a month is our Motivated Mama Society that I mentioned earlier. You get a lot of hands-on support from me in that community. We have monthly masterclasses and Q&As. Uh, we do bi-monthly book clubs. So we'll pick books around money and self-development and read them and discuss them together. And so we'd love to see you in there. Um, that's at smartmoneymamas.com forward slash join. Or just come hang out with us on any social media platform. We're at Sm- Smart Money Mamas on all social platforms. And I'd love to just give you little snippets uh, to bring into your day as those those little money smile smile file wins you can get on a regular basis. Fabulous. I am so grateful that you have found a way, something that I, I didn't know about you, but I didn't know that you were deciding between being a teacher or a hedge fund manager. Is that the term? Investment manager. Yeah. Investment manager. Because look at you, you have also decided to become a teacher. Yes. Which is so beautiful. I mean, you are teaching the world about money and helping so many people. So thank you for the beautiful work that you put into the world. I mean, it's something else. And thank you so much for sharing your wisdom with us today. I appreciate your time. And I know that these tools you're giving us are going to help everybody find the magic more in their lives because they're not going to be weighed down as much (laughs) with the chaos of either ignoring money so much or just letting it take over their lives. So thank you for your time, Chelsea. Thank you so much for having me. I can't wait to be back and talk about kids and money. Okay. Thanks. Let's find the magic, everybody. Brown cows. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>